Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Thanks to Think. From digital signage to audiovisual solutions, we've thought of everything. Visit thinkpm.ie. This is News Talk. Welcome to Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up this week, Emmett Ryan will join me to talk about Jeff Bezos' successful mission to space. We'll hear about the app that's looking to take the hassle out of investing. And Andrea Gilligan joins me to talk about her life in tech. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. But we're going to kick off this week with a bit of space talk for a change. Uh, Jeff Bezos, who is the man behind Amazon, uh, the richest man in the world, don't you know? He went to space with three other people, his brother, an 82-year-old woman who became the oldest woman, uh, oldest person to ever go to space, and an 18-year-old who became the youngest person to go to space. They set off in um, a private uh, space tourism rocket that... Uh, Bezos' company built. I'm sure you've heard about it. You've probably seen the images. But one thing that jumped out at me, aside from how cool it was that the 82-year-old woman who's been trying to get to the space for six years finally got there, was when Bezos came down, he thanked Amazon staff and Amazon customers, saying, you made this happen. And I suppose it kind of struck me as interesting and a bit jarring because Amazon has notorious um i suppose issues when it comes to worker conditions worker pay and so on and i just wanted to have a chat and see if it's just me if i'm just a negative nelly or if there is a bit of a jarring issue here and i suppose how it will go down with amazon workers amazon customers and will it impact bezos's legacy at all uh, emmett ryan is the technology editor with the business post and he's with me once again emmett how are you I'm good, although uh, first thing I've got to say is you were definitely not on your own in those thoughts. Yeah, it's funny because obviously we, we've, like you were on the show before and you did a profile of Bezos and of Amazon and how they, I suppose, uh, developed and, you know, were very agile as the, the dot-com boom happened and, you know, they've evolved over the years. But there's something about Bezos as a figurehead for the organization, even though he stepped down. It just doesn't quite sit comfortably with me. What did you make of it? Firstly, the, the, the space travel aspect of it is cool, right? To a point, yeah. Although, like, I, I was rather amused by some people kind of, you know, going, oh, wow, this is what big business can do. And it's like Alan Shepard, who the thing was named after, with not being, you know, sort of led by business, led by government, went far higher in a much lower tech craft 60 plus years ago. So, eh, you know, there is that. Well, sorry, not quite 60 plus years ago, but around that anyway. So there was an element element of, lads, are you sure you know what you're saying here and how it sounds like? The whole project to me, it's sort of I, like the idea of like sort of increasing the potential for space travel is great. So obviously having the likes of Blue Origin, SpaceX and Virgin Galactic in existence has some benefit. But like we're talking, he did the absolute bare minimum to be considered an astronaut. There is a line 100 kilometers above ground level known as the Kármán line. That's uh, the nominal point at which you're considered to have entered space. He barely broke it, basically. Like the ship, the, the craft is designed to just about go above it. And so it's like we'll do the absolute minimum. And just people might not have been aware of this watching. 
nobody on that craft was actually doing anything in terms of operations or any sort of you know real experiments unless you can count throwing skittles into people's mouths as an experiment uh which i don't really to be frank about uh because it was entirely operated on the ground so it's sort of like it is a true sense of tourism in this sense there was no discovery here so to speak and that comment of like everything about Bezos, even before we get to the comment about the workers, like he's trying so hard to be interesting when he's a dreadfully dull man. Like he was deliberately wearing the cowboy hat coming out from the training center to get the car over to the the, 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 the rocket. And it's like, because he's a maverick, you know, and he needs to show he's a cowboy. Like he's just like that. He's a space cowboy. And it's like, nah, man, nah, this isn't cool. And then like afterwards, like, oh, God, because I watched and I wrote about it for work. Uh, and uh, I, in fairness, had to tame it down because I work for the Business Post. <laughs> so it's like what I, what I really wanted to say was a bit more challenging, shall we say. But, um, it, yeah, it was uh, it was a bit dull in the end. And But, Emmett, like, are people not good? And I'm sure someone is picking up their phone right now to either text in, email in or tweet us saying, lads, will you just have a day off? Stop being begrudgers. The man went to space and took some people with him like do, do is it that that it's the personality is it the the history the legacy that he already has in terms of the treatment of people and his staff that just makes it so hard for us to 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 swallow this or do we just need to to calm down and say fair play well he's not really adding anything as thing like at least with musk for all and many times it can mock Elon musk it is actually aiding getting stuff to the space station like you know it's a it's a it's a business that's fine it's okay to be a business but like musk's uh, work is, you know, actually developing stuff which will aid future space exploration. When you look at Branson and Bezos, it's entirely a tourism operation. And for the super wealthy, like the youngest uh, person to go on that, Oliver Damon, his dad paid 20 odd million for the ticket. Like someone else had actually paid 28 million, which a lot of people were citing that as being the number that his dad paid. It was actually a little less for his dad because the person who paid 28 decided to defer their seat to a later flight in the year so that they could basically get the youngster on board so they could set the record for both oldest and youngest on the same flight uh, while Wally Funk was sort of there to make sure people didn't boo too much that's, that's you know I mean, I'm delighted Wally Funk finally got to technically go to space but the reason that Jeff Bezos chose her was not because he's a wonderful person it's because he realised it's good to have someone who people don't who will feel bad about booing along with you and like it's just the, the workers part like because you know it's it's impossible to overlook like Amazon's payment and conditions for its workers are not great so when he's saying the workers made it happen it's like well Jeff Maybe, you know, a better legacy than just happening to go to space is, you know, don't be as bad to your workers. Mm. Like, and like this goes back to sort of a couple of years ago when he was starting on Blue Origin. He said, you know, with all this money, I can't think of anything better to do than go to space. And it's like literally everyone who has ever said anything about the way your place works said, you know, just spend a bit more there. And we are talking about comically small amounts of Jeff Bezos' money in terms of what would be, you know, relative to his wealth, would make a enormous life-changing difference where we're talking tens of thousands of people working for Amazon. Mm. So it's, uh, to me, as a legacy goes, that, that's probably a bit cooler. And yeah, it's just like, because it's a key thing to bear in mind, like, you know, is when we're looking at sort of Musk, and trust me, I'm the first person to mock Elon Musk. There's an actual addition to the space odyssey we're doing here in terms of our exploration aid life and humanity which is the main on, on earth which is the main reason we explore the stars uh, you know to learn more about what we're doing and to advance our own you know society and civilization as it were like you know and you can point to what NASA's done and like obviously also uh, the Russians as well in their respect in terms of scientific uh, work they've done to really advance stuff 
But, uh, you know, you can't say that about about Musk and Brands. You may go, but it's adding a new experience. Well, that's great. But at the moment, that experience is so limited. It's not like, you know, you or I are going up there soon, Jess. Put it that way. Like, mm. you know, it's like, even if I win the Euro Millions, it would be, you know, it would have to be the right week for me to win the Euro Millions to afford a ticket. <laughs> that's the level we're talking. And, yeah, it's like I saw someone sharing yesterday, actually, before we were recording this, uh, the uh, Gil Scott Heron performance, Whitey on the Moon, which, you know, I've always sort of had mixed feelings because all the points Gil Scott Heron makes are great but it's like yeah but like White in the Moon did actually help life get better down on earth but at the same time the overall point of what of that poem is quite good in that you know we're looking at this while we're ignoring certain societal issues and with NASA it's far more black it's, it's far more gray with this it's pretty black and white Jeff Bezos chose to use his money for this in lieu of making life better for the tens of thousands who work for Amazon who really, really have just inappropriate and frankly awful conditions. And that was his choice to enable that. Yeah, I was listening to uh, Dr. Neve Shaw talking to Kieran Cudahy on the hard shoulder here on News Talk during the week. And she sort of made the point that as somebody who's dedicated her life to space and to science and all the rest, she's found it really hard over the last few months to hear these billionaires talk about, you know, having enough money to make their dream a reality which obviously you can't really begrudge it but I suppose it is frustrating to the people like Wally Funk who've who've dedicated their lives and obviously it's amazing that Wally got there but I'm sure there are thousands more like her and there are millions more growing up who will just never be able to afford this because they don't have a billion dollars in the bank. Yeah, and it's like, what is the purpose? Like, you know, do we want space to be privatized? You know, mm. in all honesty, because the the purpose, like, if we're going to make it help, but all society, we've seen like through the space race, which was, you know, private companies were working with NASA certainly, but like it was like again, government led as a project, and that was quite crucial in order to make sure that the work done, and same way with the ISS today, that is multi government led, same way the ESA we have here in Europe. The idea is to have a broader benefit. So while like companies benefit, it's not at the expense of and it's not and it's certainly not limited to just those companies. It's not at the expense of the public at large. The idea is to help all of humanity. And I think that's an area where I kind of find it hard to swallow. Like I interviewed Neve a couple of weeks ago before who you mentioned her Neve saw before Branson went up and she described she she, she again was kind of going it's quite vulgar, isn't it? And like, it makes you rethink what I, why I even got into this. Like, you know, and this is someone who's dedicated her life to wanting to go to space and just seeing the way it's sort of being used here uh, as a sort of, you know, well, hey, I'm great stunt by Branson and Bezos. It is kind of hard to swallow. Like, like and I, I really can't stress enough, like for most most of these like sort of, you know, tech billionaires, they aren't the most interesting people going, but then like some of them try too hard to be interesting. But Bezos is extraordinary that he tries really hard to be interesting and it only makes him duller, uh, which is frankly an achievement in life. But even like look at like sort of the difference what he's done where he gave 100 million to van jones who's a pretty controversial figure at the best of times for him to give the charities of his choice whereas his wife his ex-wife now mackenzie uh, just flat out just gave a whole lot of money to charities directly that was a lot more than 100 million if i recall correctly and uh, it's like kind of gone she didn't need to go to space to you know feel the need to give that money away she goes well i got a lot of money and i'm hilariously rich going to be grand for the rest of my life Here's a load of money to charities and go do what you're go do your thing. So, you know, it's like I'm not, I'm not trying to phrase Mackenzie Bezos, Bezos for generosity. I'm saying Jeff Bezos had a clear roadmap of an alternative to what he could do. And he still shows got to be the man who goes to space. And if it inspires people, great. I just find it very hard to see this as inspirational, like compared to what we've seen previously in sort of in space exploration and in terms of moments like, you know, thinking of, you know, from from our time. It's just 
like, and let's not dance around the fact everybody, rather than talking about the history being made, there was technically history in the 18 and 82 year olds going up. They were mostly talking about the shape of the rocket, which I know we really can't talk about on a family show, but that's what the conversation was. It wasn't about the greatness of this. It was mostly having a laugh at Jeff Bezos' expense, which isn't really going to inspire anybody. No, but as I said at the top, you know, the thing that kind of stuck at me or stuck out to me was firstly, Wally Funk, and that's amazing. But secondly, then, like, what are these tech billionaire tycoon men like, what are they hoping their legacy will be? Because obviously Amazon has changed the world. And I saw a few people on social media over the week saying, you know, this is vulgar. I'm, I'm not engaging with Amazon anymore and all the rest. And we can take that stance if we want. But the fact of the matter is, like, it is a good service. It's the same with Facebook. Like, you can give out about Facebook as much as we want. But it, it is there and it does make aspects of our lives either easier, more entertaining, more engaging. But when we look back at the lives of, like, say, Musk, say, Jeff Bezos, say, Mark Zuckerberg, like, even Bill Gates, like, what are the legacies that they are going to leave behind? Well, it's it's kind of funny you mentioned Amazon, because, like, the odd thing with Amazon is they're retaining their, their lead in retail online, even though I feel they've been overtaken so much by so many individual operators uh, in terms of the quality of user experience. Uh, I find the user experience on Amazon absolutely dreadful, and it just feels dated at this stage compared to what I normally go through when I'm buying online. I rarely buy from Amazon anymore, and that's not because of any moral issue. I just don't enjoy the user experience. But in terms of the legacy stuff, uh, it's it's a hard one to say because obviously some of them are thinking I've got to be remembered and like Andrew Carnegie who did some pretty awful awful stuff in his life uh, you know it's worth looking up some podcasts about him he's not remembered for the awful awful stuff in his life he's remembered mostly for libraries because he built a whole load of them because he realized that sort of giving back to humanity in that sense was the best chance of you know building a legacy for himself and uh, like Carnegie his 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 worker practices really read up on him and don't worry we're safe for defamation you know, just a dead and he, he's very very dead a couple of centuries can't sue us like he he really did some terrible stuff but that's not what we talk about we talk about his libraries because you know that's the legacy he left and it's we still talk about it to this day Bezos wants to be known as a guy who went to space but Here's the thing, we could all see it was still sort of, you know, daylight, the highest point he got. Like, we didn't see him breaching into the breaching the atmosphere in a true sense, it's an individual sense, even though he nominally did. And, uh, like, Branson certainly didn't. You can't say, oh, they, they weren't seeing stars in the tree, you know what I mean? That's the thing, and that's what people associate with seeing space. You've got to be seeing some stars, you know? And they weren't. And so you've got that. Uh, you look at Zuckerberg, and it's like, He's definitely trying to get into legacy mode, but he's just he's scrambling also to keep Facebook from being just seen as the root of all evil, mm. uh, which is kind of awkward. Uh, Gates, I suppose, he's got the foundation, but uh, obviously he's taken a bit of a hit the last couple of weeks uh, with the divorce and all that matter. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be hard to say. Like, but Gates certainly has for a long time wanted his legacy to be built around improving healthcare. Whether it will be or not is another matter, but at least he's been focused on that as being the core thing. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's, it's a tough one. Like you look at even a Branson, like, you know, his one was just like, you know, sort of he wants his legacy to be that he was cool, I guess. Uh, I don't think it'll really be remembered that way. Uh, more that he was like sort of the naff dad who tried really hard to be cool, I think would be more remembered for. So yeah, it's it's not great. Like, well, hey, you made money, that's that's fine. But like, they're all thinking of their life beyond this mortal plane, oddly, in terms of how they're viewed. And it's hard to see any of them really being remembered fondly here. Uh, you know, like there's a podcast I listen to, which I adore called Behind the Bastards. And, uh, you know, if it's being made in 50, 60 years time, which is unlikely, I could well see everybody we're talking about here today being subjects of it. Yeah, it's it's a grim enough one. I think it's interesting. I would love to hear from you. What do you make of it? What do you make of all these, you know, super wealthy 
clearly very driven, clearly very innovative people. And what, what will their legacy be? Techtalk at newstalk.com is the email address if you want to get in touch as ever. Uh, Emmett, I know you're a big sports buff. I can't let you go without asking a question about the Olympics. Uh, will you be glued to it now for the next two weeks? I will. And it's a challenge because like, I am famously not an early riser and it's on in Japan. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the real challenge for me. And uh, I, I will power through it, so to speak. But yeah, like for me, it's the hard part is obviously the Olympics is about the crowds. And, you know, it's I, I feel they probably shouldn't be going ahead, just to be clear. Even though I'm going to be watching them. You can call me a hypocrite all you want, fine. But I'll watch them because they're on. But at the same time, if I had a choice, if I had the, the, the choice to make over whether they go ahead or not, I would say no, because I think the uh, dislike for it in Tokyo right now and in wider Japan is clearly enough that they shouldn't have gone ahead with it, that it's basically the government and the IOC forcing it through. But yeah, I'm going to watch it a lot. Uh, I'm obviously going to try and watch as many different sports as I can, because that's to me the joy of the Olympics. I watch a lot of sports that I'd rarely ever ever watch. And it's helped me as well in terms of sort of getting to enjoy trying to find, you know, some of these sports on my travels, which is kind of cool. And yeah, like, you know, I, I enjoy the heck out of it, to be frank about it. Like the Irish athletes are sort of, you know, great. I want to see them do well, obviously, but I, I'm kind of weird in that they've never been my priority concern. Like, you know, I'll, I'll obviously be watch all the events, <clears throat> but um, my priority really is seeing what the big stories are, like what who, what gets interesting and who the novelties are, I suppose, the people who do well that aren't expected. Like, we expect the Americans to do well in swimming, for example. We expect, like, sort of, you know, Kenya and Ethiopia to do well in the middle distance and long distance events. It's the people who sort of, you know, break the norm are who I'm going to be keeping an eye out for. And, uh, yeah, hoping to see quite a few of them. Yeah, I will be watching as much as I can. I'm not a big sports nut, but I do become an armchair expert. If you do want to follow all of the action from the Olympics, you can, of course, download the OTB Sports app. It's available on iOS and Android, and they will have full extensive coverage i would imagine of all things olympics uh for now emmett ryan technology editor at the business post thanks as always for joining us thanks for having me coming up next lunchtime lives andrea gilligan joins me to talk through her life in tech tech talk, tech talk. on news talk thanks to think from digital signage to audiovisual solutions we've thought of everything Visit thinkpm.ie. Yeah, you're very welcome back. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Last week, Jarlath Regan kicked off our new series of My Life in Tech. He told us about his very first phone, which he got free from a bank of all places. Uh, you can listen back to that interview in full up on the News Talk app, powered by GoLoud. But this week's guest is somebody that I'm very excited to have, and I never, ever, ever thought I would have her on the show. Andrea Gilligan, presenter of Lunchtime Live. Welcome to Tech Talk. Thank you very much for having me. Um, this is a place I never thought I'd be. No, it's, it's a bit of a funny one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you asked me, I was like, really? You want to talk to me about technology? This is like, uh, how? Yeah. How am I here? <laughs> and it's funny because for those who don't know, Andrea and I are very good friends in real life. And <laughs> real life. <laughs> I, I think the, the reason for that, well, we'll get into it, I suppose. Yeah. We'll get into the nature of our friendship and the way it, how it uh, evolved. How it evolved and how it's evolving. Um, so the first question for the My Life in Tech series is, would you consider yourself a techie person? The fact that you're even laughing as you ask <laughs> that question sort of answers it. Uh, no, I don't think anybody would describe me as a techie person. But it's really funny because people think I am. People think that I know loads about tech and particularly around like, you know, if you're in somebody's house and they'll say, oh, there is a problem with like, you know, this radio or can't tune this in or this or something wrong with my computer. And they look at me as if because you work in radio, 
you, you somehow know something about technology. Yeah. And I'm like, I haven't a breeze. I know absolutely, full disclosure, um, very little about technology. Don't have a major interest either. Why is that though? I That's what I don't understand. Know. I know because you would think, and I've worked in local radio for years where you, you self-produced yourself in that like, in order, like you weren't just behind the microphone talking, but you, you know, you pressed all the buttons and you did all the faders and yeah. you did all the kind of tech op stuff. I'm like, I could, I could get my head around that and I could do it, mm. but I never really understood. Like if something broke or stopped working, I didn't get no what was going on. So I just, I don't know. I just never had, I'm probably, do you know what? I think I'm a little afraid of it. I'm so afraid of pressing the wrong button and like killing the radio station or something that, so I, I just didn't, um. I didn't inform myself, I suppose, enough. But I managed to do it well enough to, you know, like... You get by. I can do, I can put myself there if needs be, but... I think one of the the biggest moments of the last 16 months or so was, I think I was on the phone to you one day and you asked Alexa to turn on the lights and I nearly wet myself with excitement. I was like, oh my God, firstly, you know what Alexa is and secondly, (laughs) she can control your light bulbs and you know how to talk to her. And not only that, but I actually set that up myself, which was like, and I I know the day I did it, I texted you to say, you will not believe what I just set up because usually, um, for people that don't know, when I get something, anything tech, uh, technology Mm. related, like a new phone or headphones or something like that, um, Jess is sort of brought in to uh, basically just set it up turn it on yeah so Andrea like anytime I see it and again we're very good friends but Andrea's phrase to me is I have a little job for you <laughs> and it's usually that you know her phone is on silent and she wants to take it <laughs> off silent or she doesn't know what the red button on the remote control does or yeah. you know that kind of stuff yeah yeah, no, no, and and I wish I I could say I oh, you're exaggerating, but you're well, you're actually not. Um, you're actually not. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm just not. I'm I'm not a techie person. Um, but you're interested in how tech. I think you like the benefits of technology. Oh, like, I love, you love technology. Your Alexa. Yeah, I love it. I think it's brilliant. I'm roaring at Alexa in the morning to turn on <laughs> breakfast and turn on lights and turn off lights. And um, no, I haven't quite got. I'll tell you what I haven't got because I do have a little job for you. Actually, there we go. I don't. Um, I can't get her to talk to the telly. I can't okay. get her to turn the telly on for me. So apparently she can do that and I've tried to set it up and I've done the ad, the new device and I've linked them and I've all that but I haven't quite got her controlling the TV. Mm. Um, that will be a big step if I get that. We'll add that to the little job yeah. list. Uh, what was the first phone you ever owned? Because you're a, a very social person yeah. and you live on well, your phone. Well, you love this story. I got a Nokia 5110. Mm-hmm, great I phone. I was trying to work it out earlier. I think I must have got it in... I was in... It was the Christmas of Junior Search. So I think it was 1999. Right. Um, I got a Nokia 5110 as a kind of a surprise present for Christmas. And I didn't ask for it. And I didn't want it. Oh. Yeah. So I remember getting, opening up this present at Christmas morning and being like, what's this? And I was like, it's a phone. Like, what am I going to do with a phone? Like, nobody I know <laughs> has a phone. None of my friends had a phone. And I got this phone. And I was like, like, who am I going to call with this? Like, Yeah. And I remember like my dad was a really practical person and, and he was like, but you're, you know, like, so phones were only kind of coming in then as in my friends getting them or they, they didn't have them. I think I was the first of my friends to have one. But his point was, no, I think it's a really good thing for you to have because it's a practical present. And I'd always, you know, if I was working or doing things mm-hmm. and he was like, no, it's a really good present because you'll like, you'll never be stuck or you could ring us if you needed it. It was kind of, a, it was bought as a sort of, I suppose, a safety thing. Yes. Um, but I, I didn't want it. I wanted nothing to do with it. I clearly didn't know how to use it and just was like, I've nobody to call on it. And then like a couple of months later, my set friends all started to get phones. And then I was like, oh my God, I love my phone. And after that, I got a, I think 
It was a little grey phone. Was it the Nokia 3110? The thir- well, it wasn't the 3310. The, it was the a famous 30- one. Yeah, it was the 3310. Yeah, yeah I had yeah. it. And I loved it. And then my friend got one as well. I still remember her number, actually. I won't call it out <laughs> in there. But she was this. Uh, my friend Eve was the first person I knew to have a mobile. So like then I could ring her and text her. And this was like amazing. Like, you know. Yeah. And so, look at you now. Look at me now. What are you using now? Well, here's the thing. Um, I actually, I, I'm not 100% sure. You oh, know the answer to this because you picked this phone for me. I have a feeling, I'm going to say it's the iPhone 11 and if it's not the 11, it's the 7. It's the iPhone SE. Right. <laughs> is there an iPhone 11? Yeah, oh, yeah, there is an iPhone 11. Yeah, but so what we got for you, because I remember doing this research, this was another one of my little jobs. Uh, it was to try and get it, because you had a phone that you loved and you used it a lot, but am I, is it fair of me to say that... Y- you're a bit of a drunk I'm clumsy, yeah. I'm yeah. A cl- I'm a, well, I am a Calamity Jane by nature anyway, so yeah. I'm just a self-professed <laughs> Calamity yeah. Jane. Yeah. So we were looking around at different options and you got the iPhone 11, or the iPhone SE 2020, which, and I'll tell you the reasons why you have it. Yeah, well, okay, I, yeah, do, yeah, please. <laughs> the reason we went for this one, Andrea, just so you know, um, because you, like, you are on your phone a lot. Like, you use your phone a lot for work. It. You love a bit of the L WhatsApp, yeah. photographs, all that sort of yeah. stuff. You wanted a good camera, a good battery life. Yeah. And so that's why you have the phone. Yeah, it is. Have. Now, I have it about how long? A year and a half? We have about a year and a half. Yeah, yeah we have it. It's like a, a dual... Um... <laughs> dual ownership. Yeah. We share it on the weekends. Now, the battery's not, it's starting to die in it. But then I'm always on it. So, I don't know. Maybe that's the reason, you know. But... Yeah, it's the funny thing. Now, this is a question, actually. Do you charge your phone overnight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Plug it in the whole night. See, this is a controversial topic because there are some who will say that uh, charging your phone overnight isn't a good thing. But on the latest iPhones now, they can do this slow charge. So they know the phone knows basically if you're going to leave it in all night, it won't fully charge at, say, two in the morning and then sit in the charger until 6 a.m. when you get up. It'll kind of stop charging or slow charge so that way then your phone isn't overheating or it's not damaging the battery or anything like that well, I can I'd see your that. eyes gla- glaze over yeah. as I explain yeah, this yeah yeah <laughs> no, well like I would know that every day by the end of the show say right yeah so on a Monday now like by three o'clock I, I would want I'd nearly need to be charging my phone really mm. that's not great now I walk in and I'm listening to the radio on the way in I don't know does that 35, 40 minute walk, does that kill it a bit? Well, you use Bluetooth headphones as well, don't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. So the Bluetooth would be That'll draining probably the battery. Too. Yeah. yeah, well, there you are now. There you go, that's solved. I'm interested to know, what's your relationship with social media? I have a very love-hate relationship with it. Mm. I, like, I kind of use it because I feel I have to use it for work. Yeah. I don't give an awful lot of my life on it. Mm. Is that a conscious decision or just yeah, that you're not bothered? No, it kind of is a bit. I mean... I just think people overshare on it sometimes. Mm. Like, I don't know how to describe this other than to say, I know there's people on social media that I don't want to be. Yes. That's like, there's like, they don't go to the toilet without nearly a live I'm having a coffee. I'm going to a meeting. You know, that kind of stuff. stuff. Yeah. So I know I don't want to be that. Mm. So then I think I probably nearly go to the other extreme in an effort to not be that. And I'll share very little. So I'll go through a phase. Like if I... You know, I might have a week where I'll be great and I'll post loads of things, you know, but there'll be silly kind of things. Like, I'd share stuff about the show, like if we had a really good guest on about anything, I mean, some controversial topic or really good advice or something like that. You know, I'd share that or I'd share a podcast from it or something. But like, I wouldn't just put up a post of how my day is going. But like, if I was out for a drink now or something, I mean, really all I share on social media, to be honest with you, is food and drink. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is yeah two of my great loves in life Jess <laughs> uh, yeah but that's do, really what I share <laughs> do, do you like following people online because I know I do, from listening yeah. to Lunchtime Live you've spoken quite a bit on the show uh, like you, you did a brilliant piece with Sheila Shoiga a while ago about the impact of influencers particularly on young girls and women so we're very aware and we all kind of know at this stage that there is that negative side to it but do you enjoy the the, the consuming of content on social media I do bits of it like again like I didn't for ages I mean there was loads of the the bloggers and the Instagrammers that were really famous and like I didn't know who they were two three years ago genuinely didn't have a clue yeah because I didn't follow them and I didn't really know anything about it like and then I suppose really just with the show and and maybe more of more use of social media I started to follow um just I suppose a whole host of various different people and I do find it really interesting some, sometimes the amount I know about their lives I get a bit uncomfortable with it sometimes it is weird though isn't it yeah like sometimes I could walk down the street and you you would see someone that you know from Instagram um, and I'd recognise their boyfriend yeah. I don't know his name I know nothing about this lad but yeah. I find it odd that I go oh there's so and so's boyfriend or, they were up having coffee there in such and such place earlier like, and I'm going Andrea what are you at or like you might be in a shop and you'll go there's so and so's young fella uh, he's, it was his birthday there he was six yesterday and so and so's kids were at the kids were at that party and I just find that mad it is that. weird I did an interview with Alfie Days who's one of like he's one of a famous vlogger so he makes YouTube videos in the UK I interviewed him here at Social Media Live two years ago and I was a bit starstruck when I met him in a weird way in that I had watched his video the day before and I knew the colour of his bed sheets. <laughs> like, isn't that a weird... It is. Yeah, it is. Like, it, it, I don't know. But then I still watch all those kind of videos. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And like, I always take the view when I say stuff like this that I know the inst- you know people on Instagram and Instagrammers and bloggers can come back now and say, well, sure, if you don't like it or you don't want to see what I'm putting up, don't follow me. And yeah. That's a very fair point. I could just not follow them. So I do tend to find when pictures go up with the kids doing this or that or the other that you just flick on and swipe past and I don't I just I just feel a bit uncomfortable sometimes yeah with the content that goes up but then I mean I'm answering my own question and saying that sure I could just unfollow them I don't have to watch it that is true what do you make of the whole um talk around image editing and putting filters on and all that kind of jazz like I, I find it very very draining almost that you you kind of have to be very sceptical when you look at anything online now well I, I actually don't know how to use the really good um, <laughs> filter apps sometimes my friends have them and they'll take a photo of us and then they'll put this filter one of them has this great app she used one day and she put this filter on us and I mean I, I thought I looked great you were I, stunning I did not look like myself <laughs> but I thought I looked great I was like jeez that's a great photo what app's that but I was like I actually didn't know how to use it so I don't I don't really I never really take a selfie photograph or certainly not one that I never post so I don't I tend not to use filters that often because I don't know I don't know how to use them but I like I think it's dangerous territory if you go down that road of start filtering yourself like I could see very easily how people could slip into not liking when they look in the mirror oh, yeah. because of what they're looking at down oh, the God, lens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like there was one day we were talking, as you mentioned, the, the piece with Sheila Showiga about no filters, and I, I I put on one of the um kind oh, the of Botox Botox filter. enhancing mm. filters, and like it was wide looking. Like I don't know how anybody could think. Like I my my cheeks were bulging out <laughs> past my eyes it was just a sight to see for anybody but but the other side of it is like I know a lot of people are coming out now and talking about filters but like for years they they use them and like I often wondered did they not ask themselves the same question then like but you see I think the issue is that the the filters were fine when it was just people posting pictures but now they're using them to sell products 
And I think if it's like, you know, buy this green tea because look how glowy it makes my skin. And then you have a fantastic, you know, little Mm. star glow filter coming off you. That's disingenuous. Like it is false advertising. And I think that's part of where the issue goes. But also, like I, as you know, have a seven year old niece and I worry dreadfully about when she like in seven years time when she's 14 or 15. What the hell is the Internet going to be like in terms of the filters? But also the dickish comments that are put up online, like constantly people have like we've, we've almost normalized trolling. And oh, I yeah. hate it. Oh, yeah. No, it is. Desperate. I mean, the days after the show, I I like wouldn't go on to Twitter that much or reply to people because like there's some of the stuff that says he is desperate. Like, you know, mm. but I just I suppose a part of me, I, it's not that I should accept it or want to accept it, but I kind of know that it is nearly at this stage. I suppose I've accepted that it just comes with the territory, that it is part of the job. So you just mm. don't pay a huge amount of heed to it because like you couldn't like sure you'd find it very hard to go in the next day and do the job if you were to really read all the negatives you know that that like people say about you so I try to avoid a, a bit of that but um just on the filters like sometimes I look through people on on Instagram and various different accounts or st- stuff that I, people I follow and I'm looking at somebody who's the same age as me and or maybe a bit older and like they have two or three kids and there isn't as much as a wrinkle on their face oh yeah and I'm like Surely everybody else looking at this knows mm. that there's some kind of a filter going on here, like or you know, but because they don't say it, or you might know they've a the thing on it, you yeah. know. So like you're looking at this and going, "How was this one forty one?" And like looking thirteen, yeah, there's not as much as a line, like, and I'm there looking at myself going, "Uh." <laughs> but isn't that the mad thing though? It's it's how it, like it it can kind of trigger something within you, or it can yeah. make you look at yourself differently whereas if there was that disclaimer and it doesn't have to be like a flashing red banner yeah. saying I'm trying to feel good about myself today but I'm using the no crow's feet oh, app filter I don't even know if it's, it's probably not called that I'm sure it's... I'd need that in real life though I've realized <laughs> but I, I do think you're right though I do think it is like it's just not helpful and it's not good and I think it's good to see people calling it out I don't think you should ever like pick on someone for using a filter but I do appreciate the people who say, do you know what? I slept for four hours last night because my toddler's teething mm. and I'm like a demon. So I'm putting a filter on. Like, just acknowledge it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, um, I say that now and it's the week, you know, we're in the weekend and I'm going to, if I have any photographs up, I'll have them well filtered, Jess. We'll all be looking. <laughs> Look for Andrea Gilligan. My final question, Andrea, is, you know, and it kind of carries on from that point. We often hear that technology has damaged society and it's made things worse. What's your overarching thought on that one? Yeah, like I, I do worry about it for the reasons that we've kind of mentioned. But at the same time, Jess, like I love my, I would be absolutely lost without my phone. Mm-hmm. Like if I ever, when I, if at the very rare occasion I might leave my phone in the car or leave my phone in the house. Like, and that's, it's probably pretty sad. Like I'd nearly be, I'd nearly get a bit like, Oh, my phone like mm. who do I think needs to contact me probably me <laughs> you know that I can't <laughs> ring them back but it's it's desperate like I'm I'm so reliant on it that but I kind of I, I like to see the benefits in it like mm. I think it has I, you know I, I think it has definitely benefited me but like I remember my my dad used to absolutely go wild with me because you know before the mobiles when you'd have the this is probably why I got a mobile initially I'd say like I used to have the landline hogged Oh, did you? For like one of those three, kids. four hours every evening talking to friends from school. And he used to say, like, like, what are you talking about? Like, you've literally only left. Like, what could you talk about? And I would be on the phone for hours chatting away. 
Which is probably why I ended up doing You're still kind of like here that I am. Here, though. <laughs> you are. That's why you got the gig. Yeah, that's why I'm presenting a radio show. <laughs> Andrea Gilligan, uh, presenter of Lunchtime Live here on News Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Coming up in just a few minutes' time, we'll hear about the app that's looking to take the hassle out of investing. Before we do that, I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new YouTube series called Tech Bytes. This is a video series in which I put different devices through their paces to try and take the stress out of buying new tech. Episode one is up now. You can take a look at it if you so wish. I put the iPad Air up against the iPad Pro 2021, which has the Notions M1 chip. Uh, They are both fantastic devices, but there is a bit of a price disparity between them. Uh, So the Pro is €1,300 and the Air is just under €700. So you can see straight away there's a difference. But in the episode one of Tech Bytes video that is up now, uh, I do a side-by-side comparison. I talk through what you need to know before you part with your cash and which one I preferred. Uh, so you can find that now. Just search for News Talk on YouTube, hit subscribe, and you will see all episodes of Tech Bites as they drop. Right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll hear more about the new financial app, Box. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. On News Talk. Thanks to Think. From digital signage to audiovisual solutions, we've thought of everything. Visit thinkpm.ie. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Tech Talk at Newstalk.com is the email address for any questions or queries you may have. Now, it was a busy week in the world of banking and finance. We saw AIB announce the closure of 15 branches and permanent TSB uh, unveiled plans to take over Ulster bank loans and 25 branches One thing that I am always very self-conscious about is my appalling financial knowledge. I'm not good with money. I'm dreadful when it comes to talking about money. But thankfully, there are many fintech companies looking to make it all a bit easier, including Books, which is an investment platform. Angelica Damal is the contact lead at Books and she joins me now. Uh, Angelica, you're welcome to the show. Before we talk about investing, as I mentioned there, I'm like dreadful when it comes to anything to do with money and I don't think I'm the only one so how do you think we should go about addressing that particularly for younger people so that they feel confident with the decisions they make when it comes to 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 that time so um normally I would say uh this is something or even you should even start at school right so this is really a missed opportunity there so we should start basic educational investing um it's school. So that's, we're all a bit late to that. So, um, and that's why, I, for example, uh, new brokers like Spax, we are also doing, yeah, taking over this part now. So we, for example, offering education on our page and in our app as well. So we have knowledge centers that introduce you to exactly how do I start investing? What do I have to look out for? And yeah, giving, giving guidance on how to start. And you always have to take your own financial situation into account first. So it's, it's uh, have a look what, um, what your situation is. Where do you want to go? For example, are you, do you want to, to save for, for retirement or is it something that you more, more medium term investment looking for? So this is all um, we are trying to tell people and to educate people about. So it's very important to us. 
it can be quite overwhelming to try and figure out, um, you know, how much you should invest and where you should invest it. Would you be of the view that, you know, anybody with any amount of disposable income can invest or do you have to have a certain amount of money set aside for investing? No, you can even start with a small amount. Let's say you can start with 25 euros a month because it's, it, it's the regularity that's you have to do it regularly and then you uh, profit from, for example, a compound interest. So you add up regularly and if you start early and then you do not need a huge sum to get something nice in the end and to really have some more for retirement. Where do you begin? And, you know, for those who, as I mentioned, like myself, don't have a great digital education, you know, I suppose, what are you investing in and, and, and what's the risk of loss and what do you have to be prepared to lose when you go down the investment route? Yeah, as an as a completely beginner, you you have to, I mean, one of the basic rules of investing is always spread your risk. So you really have to, to diversify your uh, investments. So I would go and start with a product maybe that does it for you. So you could, for example, do it with an ETF. So that's an exchange traded fund. You can like, it's like a kind of basket that already diversifies for you because there are like hundreds, maybe different kinds of shares. And uh, so you spread your risk automatically. So this would be something. You could also look into shares, for example, but as an absolute beginner, it's um, invest in shares. You have to first yeah, inform yourself about the company, about their recent performance, and you also have to take more money, well, to buy shares. So ETFs are more affordable and uh, you lower your risk because you're spreading your risk automatically because it's this product. When you say investing, I always think that, you know, that's a very much a long-term thing. How long do you need to leave your money within your investments um, before you can take it out or before you see a real return on that investment? Well, this really depends on your goals. So long-term investing, I would say 15, 20 years. And then you also really, um, when you start early, when you invest regularly, then you... uh, for example, you can use the compound interest, so and dividends, so regularly um, payments from the from the companies, and then you add up. Um, if you have smaller goals, then you might also take a, a look into, um, yeah, you could invest more, for example, into shares, and uh, be let it be like a bigger part of your investment because then the return you get could be a bit earlier. But for ETFs, let's say 20 years, 15, 20 years for sure. In terms of books, um, explain to us what exactly it is and how exactly it works. So we are in, in investing a mobile platform. So you can buy shares and you can also invest in, in ETFs and different kind of ETFs. And so it's quite straightforward and you just, yeah, you can, you download the app, Bug Zero, and then in some minutes we put you through the whole process. You upload everything in the app so you don't need a lot of paperwork there. Actually, no paperwork, we do this for you. And then you can, uh, yeah, you can start investing. You can look into, we have shares, we have ETFs. 
And we also have a savings plan. So what I told you before that you have to invest regularly, this is something we do automatically for you, right? So you decide, okay, I want to invest a monthly sum in a certain ETF. And then we, well, we do this for you. You can do this auto every month automatically. And how do you guys make the money then? Is there is there fees involved for, from your side? We do. We have different kinds of orders. So we have the so-called zero order. This is always uh, without commission. You do not pay it. And it's once a day. So, but then we also have other kinds of orders. So we have a limit order where you decide, okay, I want to really buy a certain share at the exact, um, yeah, exact price. So, um, and we also have a, a market order where you buy it immediately. And for this, you have to pay one euro. Okay, so that's not uh, colossal amounts of money. Um, one thing, I, <laughs> yeah, one thing I know that you are um, quite passionate about is encouraging women and educating women in particular to get into investing. Because a recent ESRI study found that only a third of Irish women invest in a private pension, compared to fifty-five percent of men. Is this something that we're overly cautious about when it comes to investing? Yes, yes, we are. I mean, I have a, a personal experience that some of my, my girlfriends, um, they, they know that they do not have enough money for retirement. They know that they do not, they earn less than, than men and will have less and they live longer. We all know that than, than men. So, um, but they are a bit afraid because they don't know where to start. And we really have to work on educating them and to give them the tools and the knowledge and to show them it's not that difficult. And um, we have uh, women that are investing at Bucks and they're, yeah, they're, for example, a lot of them are investing in, in ETFs that, um, that uh, pay dividends. So they're quite knowledgeable because the now dividend ETFs, you, you get regular dividends and this. So it's it's more about try it. It's it's don't be afraid. It's uh, you can you can do it. And then uh, if you that's why we we also encourage uh, women we um, yeah to to try it out and to educate themselves. And that's why we give them the tools as well. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I know uh, Glamour magazine, when Samantha Barry, the Irish woman, took over as editor-in-chief uh, at Glamour, yeah. she did a huge focus on educating and empowering women when it comes to their money. I know myself, I am still rubbish about talking about money. I hate asking <laughs> for a pay rise. I hate negotiating fees. I'm not good at it. So how do we change our attitudes? And I think some men aren't good at it as well, but I definitely know a lot of women who struggle with it. So how do we overhaul this so that it becomes the norm for women to, you know, have a few investments, demand a pay rise and ask for what they feel they deserve? For example, exactly what we're doing now. So uh, we uh, we are also the, the educational videos we are shooting. For example, we are doing this with we female influencers as well. So it must be a normal site for women to to be in finance and and, and, and to invest. And I see it uh, a lot here in the Netherlands and, and in Germany as well, and then across Europe. More and more women, female influencers, are into investing. So. I think it's we are now it, it's changing and I'm so glad that it's changing because there's really a new community coming there on, on social and everywhere so 
just have a look and find out you are not alone. <laughs> there are so many women out there who want to invest and we have to just to get the others over, buy a women's magazine that include financial uh, topics in their, in their editorial and not only about, you know, uh, what's the best makeup. We have mm-hmm. to make it a normal topic. Absolutely. Um, we know that banking is changing as a whole. You know, earlier this week here in Ireland, we saw that AIB, one of our main banks, is closing 15 branches. We know that digital banking is on the rise with Revolut and N26. Do you think now is a good time to embrace this shifting model and to try apps, whether that is books or alternatives that are out there, to try and, you know, bolster up your digital education and broaden your financial portfolio? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's it's uh, it's also so con- convenient that you have it all on your pocket, right? You have it on your phone. You can do everything with it. Like, is it a banking? Is it is it is it investing? It's all in one place, and it's also less complicated. And it's uh, I mean, we're all the kind of digital regeneration now, so we are used. A lot of them of of us are used to apps, so. It's just normal and, and natural that we also have all the banks and all those things and the financial things. Uh, we have it in our app as well. Yes. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, the, the app is called Books. I just have it downloaded here on my phone. So I will be having a little look and, and seeing uh, if I can navigate yes. it. Because if I can do it, anybody can. Uh, <laughs> Angelica, it's been an absolute pleasure to ha- have you on Tech Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot for you. And that is all we have time for this week. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back in full up on Newstalk.com. But don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on the Newstalk app powered by GoLoud. John Fardy's up next here on Newstalk. I'll chat to you next week.